Hello, I'm your host Gillian Semler. You're listening to Let's Talk, brought to you by CityLets. Let's Talk is a dedicated property show for the world of property letting, investment, legislation, personal stories and much more. If you want to get in touch direct, just reach out. Let's Talk at citylets.co.uk. Today my guest is landlord and property investor Ali Payton. Morning Ali. Good morning. City Let's know you as a portfolio landlord, however many would recognise you as Siren from Gladiators and you were also a former Scottish national basketball player. You've got a first class honours degree in quantity surveying and a master's in facilities management. So you've clearly had quite a journey to date. So how did you get into property? I've always loved property, actually, and I think growing up in Edinburgh, the property here is so, so lovely, especially all the older Georgian styles. So I was desperate to get my first property. And then I just, I guess I just got a bit, little bit hooked from that. And um, I love the design side of it. Um, I, I love the creativeness that you can have with it too. So that's really where it came from. Okay, so what age? Wait, you were quite young, weren't you, when you bought your first property? So I managed to get the first one on the back of my Gladiator contract, yes. which was a four-bedroom bomb site in Morningside um, that needed completely renoed, even though I didn't Looking actually do that for buy. a long time. Yes. Yep, exactly. And the game plan was that three girls that I played basketball with that I was really good friends with, still am, they would all come and stay with me. And it was one of the best fun times of my entire life Perfect was living setup. in that flat with them. Yeah, Great. So it's something out of friends then. So. It was very <laughs> like that. Yeah. We never all had a boyfriend at the same time. It was, oh, always, really? it was always one that was single. <laughs> <laughs> so we would always say, could you just break up with him? Because if you do, then I'll get a boyfriend. <laughs> Now, you had a successful formula when investing in property in that you renovated two beds with large sitting rooms and made it into a three-bed HMO flat. Is that right? That's right. I was always trying to look for the value in, in the different flats that I tried to buy. So if it was... If it was a large one and had a couple of box rooms or if you had the ability to HMO it, assuming that the space standards all worked, then it just allowed you to create a bit more value within within the, the flat and therefore you got a bit more rent. Yes. Now, well, HMO flats, they require a licence and certain rules and regulations um, that need to be adhered to. So how have you found managing, because it's like a never-changing landscape for um, you know, HMO regulations? That's true. When it first came out, I still had that four-bedroom in uh, Morningside and I'd moved out of it and I had to HMO it in order to rent it to four different individuals. So I got in when it was at, it had just really started though. So that was the late, late 90s. So the regulations just slowly became more onerous. And I guess because I was in at the beginning, it was only a couple of things each year that I was having to address. Whereas I can imagine right now, if you jumped straight in with no background, it would be a bit daunting. But by far, they've been the ones that have been yielded the best return yes. for me, really. So mm -hmm. if you can get your head around it, it's definitely a good option. Mm -hmm. So you've also flipped properties, haven't you? So is this something you would still consider in today's market? And if so, what type of property and where? I tend to stick with traditional because right. I love the flexibility that you can create. Mm -hmm. I get very excited looking at things. I went to the one that I'm in just now, actually, in the new town. When I went to view it, 
in about 2007, it worked out it was my mum's next door neighbour who was actually viewing it and she opened uh -huh. the door to me and she said, you're never going to want to buy this oh. because the, the floors were off by eight inches. Um, it had not been touched for decades. The owner, I think, lived in Hong Kong. It had been a rental. And I walked in and just thought, oh, this will be amazing. Yes. But she was so funny because she's like, oh, this is terrible. Oh, that, I mean, it's dirty. You don't want this. And I'm you like, oh, no, I love this. I love this. Uh -huh. Yeah. So it's that that probably excites me the most. Would you ever consider, if you are maybe for flipping properties in particular, going out with us to certain particular areas, is it something you still do a lot of just now? Is, it, is that the type of property you would concentrate on if you were buying? I haven't done any flips in um, the UK for a while, partly because I've been um, over in Canada, really. So, But I did a bit of, of renoing when I was over there. Right. Uh, but it was completely different because nothing's as old, obviously. No. So again, it's trying to create value by maybe um, putting in a basement suite. That's a big thing that they do over there in a big standalone house. Right. You'll renovate the suite and then if you wanted to, you can rent that out as a separate unit. So yes. it's interesting for me to see how all the different um, property markets, markets work. Because uh, um, you also have properties in Edinburgh, West Lothian, the Borders, Nottingham. So you've obviously dealt with a number of councils. So how have you found each of the councils to work with, particularly if you're renovating or for planning? Uh, well, I've only renovated probably in terms of flipping mostly in Edinburgh, actually. Mm -hmm. So um, again, it's just about having a good team around you, I guess. Get Make sure you have an architect or an architectural technician yes. who uh, knows his way around the system too. But in terms of the councils for the likes of the licensing and, th and things, I mean, in Nottingham, for example, this is just shows you the difference. They just brought out the selective licensing scheme last year and every single landlord has to pay £780 per property. Mm. And basically all you do is send in, along with your cheque, all the normal certificates that they would ask for anyway. So your gas, your electrics, your EPC, your PAT tests, all of that kind of thing. They also wanted public liability insurance, and then you had your um, police check, mm -hmm. which, of course, costs you money to do. Um, and now I see on their website that that is uh, voluntary. So for me, it just seemed, OK, that's a five-year scheme, but it just seems quite crazy because they're just looking as landlords as a means of raising some cash. Mm -hmm. So 780 per property, not per landlord. Gosh. And then, in my mind, what... What am I getting for that? Nothing. It's like an administrative um, process. So it can be quite frustrating when things like this you yes. know, come out. Are they also trying to deter landlords? Well, I honestly don't know. I think it's just a revenue mm -hmm. uh, generator. Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that it's for any size of property. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's not just, for example, HMOs here for a minimum of three people yes. and up. Um, the, the Nottingham scheme if you have a one bedroom you're still paying it there's no if you sell your property within the five years there's no refund Gosh. so for me it's just kind of ouch and it probably has got um put quite a lot of landlords off i yes, would have i would absolutely. have thought why would you buy there mm -hmm. if you could buy somewhere else that doesn't potentially you know charge you the same yes. so it's interesting to see how they all work differently and how do you find how have you found the scottish councils so between 
West Lothian, the Borders, Edinburgh, and was it East Lothian as well? Yeah, they're fairly mm -hmm. similar. I mean, again, they offered, some of the different councils offered different training days, if you want, that you can attend, which is helpful. I yes. think that's good. They're trying to add some value. Um, the landlord registration site, which I know very well now because I've yeah. had so many nightmares with it. Now I realise that's right. a government-run website. Mm -hmm. So when you've got an issue with your registration in the, the likes of Edinburgh, you call up Edinburgh and then they say, sorry, it's actually a government site. You can't phone them. And there's mm -hmm. a feedback um, button on the website, which cracked me up the last time I actually tried to use it. I pressed on the feedback button to leave my feedback and the page went straight to a page that said, thank you for your feedback. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so, you know, Has it's that just... Been your main, has that been the main frustrating side to it or what your other experiences been of the, the landlord registration? Uh, I would. That's probably my main frustration is the fact that the website doesn't seem to work, um, especially if you have more than... If you're dealing with more than one council because the... It should work in a way Connect. where it's that joins up the dots, yes. but it doesn't seem to do that. Um, and I, I actually found out that, um, and it was only because I'd gone in to update one of the borders properties, and I then realised that I wasn't registered for an Edinburgh one. And again, when I called up, they had cancelled it because they'd overcharged me and then refunded me, but not actually kept... I mean, honestly, you couldn't make it up. So, yeah. We'll move on to um, <laughs> legislation then, because obviously there's been considerable change in legislation for the private rented sector over the past few years. So how have you found keeping abreast of these changes? So obviously, there's been the new PRT, changes to electrical certificate requirements, Legionella, etc., have you found that, particularly also if you're working from another, you know, based in another mm. country? I think you just, it's fairly easy to stay up to date with what is being asked for. And then realistically, you just have to find, you know, an expert to go and do that for you. I mean, I'm not doing the Legionella test myself. So I've got a good team of guys that I've worked with for a long time. So that's, it's just a case of organising it more than anything else. Um, with the new Scottish lease, the one thing that really um, has really tripped me up, I guess, is the fact that you're, there's no longer an end date. So I can't agree with my tenants, OK, let's revise this in a year's time, 12 months. Whereas previously, because I was able to do that, I could manage my time being in Canada. I could come back. I used to come back a couple of times a year, do a lot of work in a short period of time. All my tenants were in. Everybody was happy. Yes, we'll stay for another 12 months or we'll stay for another six months. Perfect. But now because they can give notice at any time, it's actually one of the reasons why I've it was a huge factor in why I had to really come back and base myself back here. All right. Okay. Okay. And do you rent to many students? I've got a couple of student rentals, yes. Okay. Um, so what, obviously, that's drawbacks. Do you feel there's been many any benefits then from, you know, for the, with the introduction of the new PRT? It's definitely modernised. I mean, the system before was fairly archaic where you had to have a witness and sit and sign it and a lot of the language was so difficult to understand for tenants they then brought out the the tenancy document which just reiterated everything and so you're printing off reams and reams yes. of paperwork in order to just get this 
what could be a fairly straightforward contract signed. Um, so it definitely has modernised it all, um, so it's easier to use from that respect. Uh, but I, I just don't really understand why, if both parties are willing, it's not possible to have an actual end date to the contract. Okay, well, with going back to the talking about the student lets then, would you say then that the new PRT's open-ended tenancy has deterred you letting to students? Well, not yet, but it could. I could see it changing because um, when I first started renting student flats, the just the way the market was, was that they would take it for the student term. That's just how it was. I mean, that's probably 20 years ago. And then you had to figure out what you were going to do in the summer. That was fine. Did that you, was just how it was. Did you do festival lets? So normally, exactly. Even if you didn't bother to rent it in, say, June and July, you could do a festival let in August and it kind of evened itself out. Then, just because I guess there was a shortage of supply for students, the culture sort of changed over the last maybe 10 years actually where they're happy to just keep it for 12 months that's just the way things are and, and everybody is comfortable doing it some students stay and work in Edinburgh blah 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 over the summer now I can definitely see because it obviously happened to me last year where I'd agreed with the girls that they would stay for 12 months and then basically they decided that they wanted to leave a month early. Now, they're totally within their rights to do that. There's, you know, we didn't even have a discussion where I said, well, but you said you'd stay till yes. June, but I had flights booked and blah, blah, <laughs> blah. And I'm like, OK, this is really inconvenient for me. <laughs> yeah. So it meant that the flat was empty for a month, you know, basically because, um, which was yes. fine because I actually did a little bit of a reno in it. But it's just going to make it a lot trickier to manage it. Right. And you manage all your properties yourself, don't you? I not all of oh, them, but I, yeah, I've mm -hmm. got a couple of agents, but I also use agents to source tenants for me, right? And then I take over the the full management once they've maybe found me tenants. And the ones in Nottingham, I've got an agent down there, yeah. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, <clears throat> moving on to Airbnb, there have been calls to introduce a ninety day a year short term limit for renting whole properties in Edinburgh, obviously due to the increasing amount of hosts in the city. Vancouver, however, recently brought in re um, regulations where only primary residences could be let out in the platform. Is that is, how has this affected the property market in the city? So I find the Airbnb debate fascinating. It's like Marmite. People either <laughs> absolutely <laughs> detest it or they think it's the best thing ever. And, you know, I am obviously very pro Airbnb because of the flexibility it's allowed me. Um, I feel like holiday rentals have been around forever. It's just the fact that this platform has made it so accessible and so easy for everybody to be a part of if they choose to. But, you know, people have been going to Portugal and renting villas for decades. So this is not a new phenomenon. It's just that the Internet has allowed it to um, kind of appear on everybody's radar, I, I feel. Um, so I have a lot of you know, I have a lot of pro experiences with it, both being a guest. Um, for example, I went to LA for a month last April, rented a little Airbnb there. The lady that owned it stayed right across from me. She was fab. She was telling me all these yoga places to go to. Uh, I had a brilliant experience doing that. And the only reason I was able to do that was because I could Airbnb the place that I had been staying in in Vancouver. So... It's not this, it slightly annoys me when people refer to it as people come and party and that's all they want to do. 
I mean, it's not the case, I don't think. Of course, you're going to get the odd bad story. Um, of course you will. But you get the odd bad story with um, long-term tenants. And you get a lot of bad stories with permanent neighbours who own their properties. So it's more about the person than the actual profile of why, why they're staying in the property, I feel. That's interesting because I had um, SNP MP Tommy Shepherd. Uh, recently raising his concerns to me on the podcast about Airbnb party flats in the city centre for people, he believed people coming to the city centre, their main purpose was um, for parties. And he also felt that communities were being affected by an increasing amount of host flats within tenement stairwells, particularly in the old town. So... What's your opinions of Airbnb in the city, like in Edinburgh? Because I know that you're not only a host yourself, um, sometimes, for your Edinburgh properties, but as you mentioned, you use the service as a guest too. So, yeah, can you go into a bit more depth on that side then? Well, I'm a host for the Vancouver ones. Um, I'm, uh, we're looking at a three-bed and a two-bed over there. So I communicate with all of the guests that are coming and I can see who's coming. And it's very much, in my experience, been extended families. So it will be someone that contacts me and says, I'm coming with my husband and my parents are coming and we're bringing our kids. So instead of them having to rent three hotel rooms, they want to all stay together in in the one place. So... It's not people saying we're coming for a party. Of course, there's, you know, there's weekends like when the rugby's on, the rugby sevens is a big thing in Vancouver. Of course, when you go down to the garbage room, it's full of bottles and you think, <laughs> oh, this has been a good weekend. But um, in the main, it tends to be you get a profile of who's coming and you can choose to accept them or not. You don't That's have right. to accept everybody that contacts contacts you. Um, so you have quite a degree of um, scrutiny if, if you want to. Uh, with the Edinburgh ones, I used an agent because I just felt perhaps that was a better better route for me so I didn't have quite the same level of knowing who was coming and who, who was going but I made a point of making sure that my neighbours all had his details and you know I never had any complaints from any of them so I can only assume from that point of view that it all it all went fairly smoothly. The other thing is the vacancy rate. I mean, initially, this may have changed in Edinburgh because I'm not completely um, up to speed with it this year. But when I first started with my Edinburgh property, the occupancy rate was 59%. Right. So it's really quite low. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at um, just over half of the time that you might put it up on the platform, it actually getting rented. So for me, it wasn't about um, making way more cash. Definitely not. It was about the flexibility that it offered. Mm -hmm. Because in my position, I could come back from Canada, be back in my own place, stay in it um, when I wanted to, when I was coming back to visit. But on the flip side, I could then, um, you know, not have it sitting empty when I was away. Which, of course, with the new lease as well, because you can't have a... It's a lot harder to ask people to leave. It's going to put people off, I think, even getting into that arrangement. They definitely have that system in, in Vancouver where you don't have an end date on the lease. And I would, I would be seriously thinking about doing anything long-term over there because of that. Right, OK. So what are your thoughts, given what's kind of happening just now 
within Edinburgh, within Scotland. What are your thoughts on the future of the private rented sector in Edinburgh? Well, yeah, they can fluctuate quite a bit. I, I don't, it's such a broad spectrum market, isn't it? You've got the landlord who perhaps they both owned a property in their own right. They got married and they've decided to keep them. So I see them as accidental landlords. Yeah. You've mm -hmm. got that that end of the spectrum. And then you've got landlords with huge portfolios um, who are very much, that's their full-time job. So it's difficult to work out how all of that can fit together, I think. What I have an issue with is being dictated to as to how I run my own business, for example. You know, if I had a restaurant, someone wouldn't tell me how much to charge for my steak. So that's what really starts to annoy me is when um, I'm dictated to as to whether I can rent out to short term or whether I can rent long term. You know, I'm, I'm looking at my portfolio as a whole and I have to work out how to make that work. And if I have my thing in Nottingham where I have to dig up the concrete floor because there's an issue with the plumbing and the um, central heating and it's empty for three months, you never hear stories like that, no. you know, and mm -hmm. I'm having to then rely on other properties to cover the cost of that one while that is happening. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting for me because most of the stories you ever hear is um, all these landlords that are just making lots of cash mm -hmm. and they're not actually, you know, doing anything for the tenants. Yeah. But I don't think that's always the case. I know, because I mean, when landlords have reported to us, it's simply not just a case of them trying to make as much money as possible. I mean, they have to factor in costs for payable extras, the mortgage, insurances, gas and electrical safety certificates. But there's been significant cuts to tax relief as well, which they'll feel the full effects of next year. And then HMO landlords have higher costs too. I mean, as you say, landlords, they have to factor in costs for expensive repairs as well. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, what, the tenants that I've had that have stayed for a while that are great tenants, I don't want to lose them and it's not worth mm -hmm. my while. I mean, I'm happy to leave the rent where it is mm -hmm. because they're looking after my asset. You know, they're easy to deal with. They're nice people and they treat me with respect and I treat them the same way. Um, so why would you bother to lose someone like that by putting up the rent by, you know, a small amount or or what have you. That's the way I've tried to manage my portfolio yeah. over the years. But but you're absolutely right. The the costs are all continuing. They're always going up. Mm -hmm. They're never coming mm -hmm. back down. Mm -hmm. So you try and be maybe a tiny bit entrepreneurial and think, well, how can I maybe maximise what I have? Okay, I'm going to do maybe a bit of short-term rentals in here because it saves me having to pay for a hotel when I come back. Mm. And then if... You know, when the government catches up and decides yes. what the rules are, you then have to think, OK, right, how can I make it work around that? So exactly. it's just like any business. You're having to try and stay yeah. slightly ahead of the game at all times. And we've heard, just as you said, you know, we've had a lot of landlords at different evenings that we've held. Um, landlords saying that they rarely um, increase rents mid-tenancy. And then the new PRT was brought in which obviously stipulated that rents can't be increased more than once a year. And and then obviously there was talk about rent controls. And they said, so these two factors in themselves have actually, you know, some of them then have gone ahead when they wouldn't have before and increased rents mid-tenancy. So it almost kind of opened the doors 
I could absolutely see that because if you're someone, say, like me, who has got a longer term tenant and you've not been increasing their rent, that's that's very true. Of course, you think to yourself, well, if they're going to bring in a cap, I need to get my rent up to market rent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so then the poor tenant gets hit with it because of the new legislation. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they hadn't brought that in, I find the market has a way of self-regulating itself yeah. sometimes. Aberdeen's I can remember. Example of I can that. remember back when I first um, got my first property, you know, twenty odd years ago. And at that point in time, it was everybody was offers over and we all were doing our individual surveys. Yes. And then it, and of course, it was crazy because you were having 10 surveys done for the same property. And then it, it went full circle and the market leveled out. And we went we went to a period of time where it was fixed prices. But by that time, they had brought in the single survey. Yes. So now <laughs> people were paying three times what they would have, whereas the market had almost regulated itself. Yeah. So. It's interesting to watch how it all pans out. Yeah, I do, I do agree. Because you've been a landlord for over 20 years now, so you must have experienced some interesting times and situations. Oh, I could write a book, Uh, that's for sure. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's about people, I think. Mm -hmm. Definitely, it's mostly been about the the communication that you have with your tenants. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's the only time that I get worried is if a tenant stops communicating with me. Then I know I've got problems. You have something but, up, often rent, isn't it? Well, but I've, I mean, I've had the full gambit. I've had tenants that haven't paid me rent. Um, I've had fleas left in the property oh, where when I went in, they were all jumping all, oh. all over my legs. Oh, and I was kind really? of, I, I was thinking, what is that? And then I was like, oh, they're moving. It's oh, like, gosh. this is not the nicest. Oh, yeah, I've had that. Um, I walked in on a couple in bed, but that was not me. I might add, I was with an agent. The letting agent had agreed, had arranged the um, the inspection, and we went in, and that was fun. Uh, give so, a show. so it's time, <laughs> right? Be here any minute, exactly. So you know, it's but it is it is quite oh good fun. Goodness. It's just uh-huh. my boyfriend or uh, ex boyfriend in Canada uh-huh. managed to fall through the ceiling when we were doing a renovation. Well, he was sort of dangling. Oh, oh yes. Um, um, one of his kids came running in to tell me it was all very funny. Dad's oh, hanging gosh. through the ceiling. I'm like, is he? Are you okay and your brothers? Okay, that's good. And what about your dad? Yeah, okay, it's all good. She's going to land on you. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, lots uh-huh. of good stories. Right, mm-hmm. okay, but nothing to put you off. <laughs> Not yet. No, you're right, okay. <laughs> so, as mentioned before, you played basketball for Scotland. Yes. So it's obviously very much a team sport and it teaches a lot of um, important life skills. So what skills did you gain, do you think, from the sport that have served you well in property? I think, as you've just said, it's or as we mentioned, it's about communication. When you're playing a team sport, any team sport, you need to communicate with your team members. You, you all want to help each other out. You, you just have to keep talking so everybody knows what's going on. So it is kind of the same, I feel, when I've been managing properties myself it's about making sure that you communicate with the tenants um that you respond to them even if you haven't got an answer that you at least respond and say yep i'm dealing with this and likewise if they keep communicating with you then Mm -hmm. it tends to work pretty well it's when things go quiet (laughs) that the problems start (laughs) Say with children, you know, there's yeah, something up. That's right. They're either up <laughs> yeah, to something. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. So let's go back to your time in Gladiators. So we had um, 
various members of the um, IT department had all these questions. I was like, well, I'll ask Ali at the end. So the main <laughs> one we thought was... Um, Mark was wanting to know how hard was the travel <laughs> Well, I can't believe Mark's not here to ask the question himself. He's exactly. just making you ask these questions. <laughs> well, the the funny thing for me, people ask have asked me so many questions about that show over the years, um, which cracks me up. Most people say Jet was my favourite, and then I'm like, okay, okay, oh, yes, thanks see. very much. That's what I usually get. <laughs> However, um, with the Travelator, when I got on the show, there were 21 different games. Uh, we had three days of training, three days of practice. So the Travelator was the bit wow. at the end that the contenders had to run up. So actually, we never really got to play on it because they rigged the show for us to train on everything. And like I say, they wouldn't allow us to train on the Travelator because the contenders needed that right. time. Okay. It was so strict with the timing of, you know, hang tough where you swung about hanging onto those rings. You literally got like one shot at it right. and then oh you were supposed goodness. to go out. and Which the audience wouldn't know at all. That correct, uh -huh. that's right. Yeah. Oh gosh, so, um, the and then the longer you're on the show, obviously in theory, yeah. the, well, for some people, huh? uh, in theory <laughs> you get better at uh -huh. the games. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so you never out with there was never any time that you even just uh, no, got, no no we never we never ran up it never. right I'll pass that so you have to tell Mark that yes. yeah he'll be very disappointed mm -hmm. I'm sure <laughs> thank you for coming on thank you for having me I'm Gillian Semler thanks for listening if you've enjoyed the show don't forget to subscribe to the Let's Talk channel on all the usual platforms including Spotify iTunes and SoundCloud as well as on citylets.co.uk forward slash podcasts and also let your friends know where to find us. Let's Talk is a dedicated property show providing insight into the world of property letting. More information on today's show can always be found on our show notes along with this podcast. If you want to get in touch, just reach out. Let's Talk at citylets.co.uk.